Welcome to the Euro 2020 Sports Podcast of Ideas. I'm Jeff Kidder from the Academy of Ideas, and I'm joined this week by my colleagues, Rob Lyons, Alistair Donald, and Jacob Reynolds, and also a friend of the podcast, Hilary Salt. So welcome, everybody. I know Alistair said to me on Monday, is there anything to discuss this week? And I'm pleased to say that there's, there's, there's been plenty of very good quality matches, there's all kinds of other things have happened and another feast of football to look forward to this weekend. So without further ado, let's get into uh, the discussion of it. So uh, initial thoughts on, on, on what's happened over the past seven days. And uh, there's been some great matches, some less great matches and some uh, uh, very interesting developments. So Hillary, do you want to kick us off? Well, it all really sparked into life. I, I thought for me anyway, on, the, on Magic Monday, two really high scoring matches, Croatia, Spain and, and France, Switzerland, it suddenly became massively exciting and interesting after a few um, a few kind of fairly dull uh, matches that I'd, I'd sat through. Uh, Croatia, Spain, uh, obviously the, the extra time was, was nail-biting and uh, uh, made it uh, really uh, an exciting moment. Last minute uh, saves and, and it, you know, it, to me it was just, it, it was great. It was everything that's fantastic about football. And if that wasn't enough, France, Switzerland, I, I just thought was was bliss, really. Switzerland made that that early gain, and and you kind of thought, well, that's just probably a bit of a flash in the pan. The fight back uh, from France, you you just kind of thought, particularly when that Pogba goal went in, oh, you know, this is it. That 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 that's the end, really. Um, I suppose you know you could have uh, uh, learned from the the Croatia Spain match that there's a there's always room for a, a fight back, and so you know uh, leading on to the uh, the penalties. Typically, I've not been a great fan of penalties, but I'm getting more into them. Really, it is a it's a really exciting way to to get to a result, isn't it? And and obviously you kind of really feel for Mbappe, but you know at the same time there was a lot of arrogance in that team and sometimes it's quite nice to see that punctured, isn't it Alistair um well i thought the one of the interesting features of this round has been the way that uh, some of the kind of typecast uh, elements of some of these teams have come back so I thought the Holland game was interesting um, in the way that Holland collapsed uh, as previous Holland teams have done so clearly had uh, no plan whatsoever to deal with the eventuality that they were going to go down to 10 men and basically just didn't respond in any reasonable way because 10 men's not the end of the world um, you can get organized offensively and spring on the counter-attack and they just didn't seem to have the means to do that and I thought it was interesting the way that uh, in advance of the match they'd they seemed to, to be more interested and concerned about the potential reaction of the crowd uh, to the game uh, in Hungary and uh, you know uh, asserting that they were going to wear their pride armbands and all the rest of it and perhaps if they'd had a bit more of a, a focus and a commitment on to how to win a football match then it would have uh, served them a little bit better but that's that's a very Dutch thing. Similarly I thought uh, hearing uh, Hillary there on on the French match. The interesting thing about the French match was was the collapse of the French team as well. Um, on the park, uh, you know, they didn't get going really uh, until the second half, and then seemed to go missing in the in the last fifteen minutes, which led to their their downfall. But uh, some of the arguments that were going on within the French team were uh, interesting. Pogba taking a lot of stick from some of from some of his teammates, and if reports are to believe, the action in the stands was just as interesting, where the 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 guy playing left back, uh, who's 
mother was in the crowd and who is his agent uh, all of a sudden started having a big argument with Mbappe's father who was sitting in the row in front of him uh, telling telling him that his son should be marking up a bit better and and, and playing a bit better which uh, apparently got very out of hand and led to all sorts of recriminations it was uh, I suppose in some ways you remember the 2010 World Cup when the French team collapsed amidst recriminations and, and Elka getting sent home and Evra uh, uh, having a go at the manager. But in some ways, it seemed almost more akin to an under-18s match where the parents turn up uh, for the Sunday afternoon game and start arguing with each other on the touchline. Uh, uh, so that was that was just interesting, um, that the way that some of these facets that are renowned about some of these countries came back to haunt them. Rob? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said. I mean, I suppose other things that come out is... Um, keep going until the fat lady sings. Uh, particularly, particularly the Swiss and the Ukrainians, uh, you know, kept going trying to get that equaliser or that winner, and succeeded at the death in doing so. So it uh, just shows the importance of team spirit and character and a willingness to keep just keep on going even when things look really bleak, as they did for the Swiss against France when Pogba scored. I mean, I think yes, I think Hillary's right. Everybody did think that. Um, that was game over, um, but uh, I, I, but also fine margins. I mean that uh, that that spell of play uh, for in the Dutch game where Malin is it that was through on goal and then got his uh, attempt was smothered by the goalkeeper. Go down the other end, the league to get sent off. The whole thing just gets transformed. Um, and similarly in the England game, you know Muller clean on through on goal. You'd have bet your shirt on him at least hitting the target so for him to miss uh was, was a big deal and that's you know for all you can like rewrite history after whoever's won the tournament there's oh yes they were brilliant they had this player and that player you also need to have a bit of luck and um sometimes that doesn't go for you like the croatian was it a croatian player who was off having a drink when the um they restarted quickly and scored um so it was just like, you have to be focused and concentrated and uh, you need a bit of luck as well. Um, and that's uh, that, that's been in spades um, this this past week, which has been, as, as people said, especially, well, I would say, Manic Monday rather than Magic Monday. But anyway, it was pretty, pretty impressive as well. I suppose the, the other big debate is Paul Pogba. Why, why is he good for France and not nearly as good as he's supposed to be? For Man United, because you look at him when he's when he's uh, playing in the right position and you know really motivated, he's just a fantastic footballer, uh, the equal of De Bruyne in terms of his passing ability and everything, and yet doesn't do it week in week out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, now, Jacob, a number of people have commented to me that the TV commentary on the Sweden-Ukraine game, the the the, the people doing it knew very little about Ukraine or the Ukrainian team and appear to care even less. So uh, do en enlighten us on that, but also comment on other things and also the England game, which, uh, which nobody's mentioned so far. Jake. Yeah, I mean, so the little highlight of the of the week, or whatever, I mean, obviously is the video from the German fan zones that has been sent around of the, when Muller was cleaned through and the sheer disappointment on people's faces. That's obviously a great thing to see. Um, and... And along with, of course, all of the tears of various Romanians who were desperate for Germany to beat uh, England and prove the supremacy of the EU once and for all. 
But um, I, I, the, on, on the Ukraine game, it was like even in the run-up, they were basically writing off the Ukraine-Sweden game as going to be a completely the world's most boring game. And maybe having watched uh, Sweden and knowing how tightly they play, and then also seeing how poorly Ukraine had turned up to the uh, to the Euros so far, you might have thought that. But in a way, that's the 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 overall highlight of the week is that kind of football. There might not be as many political stories to talk about, but there's been a lot of great footballing ones and people came to know say in the Ukraine game people are now familiar with um, a, a great variety of the Ukrainian team not just um, Dovbuk who would take his shirt off to reveal his fantastic sports bra which I'm sure is going to come a sort of essential item on the school playing fields and all the rest of it um, but yeah the, the, I mean there was a lot of work where you saw a lot of tired players and I don't think that's because they're necessarily tired but I think it's more just they worked really really hard especially uh, Jan Molenko who's, who was all over the pitch uh, up and down running crazily and then always seemed to find another burst of energy um, I noticed that the, the Bushan the Ukrainian goalkeeper got a lot of plaudits for his performance but um, I mean, we'll talk about the upcoming game with England, but like he's one and not he's one that you might, if you're English, count on for a dodgy mistake. He seems to have that habit of punching balls that he shouldn't punch out of the out of the area. And he's that, when I watched them in the qualifying rounds, he was he was maybe the weak link. But they have looked good and they look really good in qualifying. And someone with a link to Ukraine, um, it's nice to see them pitch up again for the tournament. And I think that I mean they'll now be people are saying they're very tired i think if anything they'll be very charged and full of energy and now got the sort of excitement of a nation behind them hillary on the paul pogba thing i wonder is it because the players is he just up for the big tournament or is it that the players he plays with in france are better and know him better or a mixture or he's a bit of an enigma if you see comes across enigma maybe he isn't i don't know yeah, I mean, it's probably the thing that we talk about uh, after a United match uh, in the pub the most. Um, why Pogba doesn't play as well for us as he does for um, for, for France, uh, and I don't, I don't particularly n- know the answer. I, I do think there's an extent to which he is a bit of a, you know, he's he's your man for the big game. He doesn't like Stoke on a Tuesday night, or you know, th- th- those kind of um, uh, games that that aren't particularly the um, the, the big glitzy ones. You know, if I had a real clear answer to that, we'd have nothing to talk about in the pub. Okay, well, thanks for that. I mean, the only thing I'd add, I'll bring it in a minute, the only thing I'd add is on the Swiss thing, the Swiss, after the Welsh were heavily beaten, and then afterwards, as far as I can see, lost with, I mean, they were very impressive, the Welsh, and then they just had so little grace at the end, blaming the travel, blaming the tournament, not all the players, but a number of the players. And Switzerland pretty much had to do the same thing and came through against the top team and showed the spirit that it takes to win. Almost like a mirror image of what Wales did. And it just, it struck me. I wasn't very impressed with the, the Welsh response to losing anyway and blaming everybody other than themselves. But uh, certainly the Swiss really showed that, um, you know, if you put your mind to it and things have to go your way as well, you can, you can really achieve something. I, I noticed that. Yeah. I thought, I thought the Swiss played really well actually. And, and, and uh, it was impressive the way that their center backs could stick to step up and take such brilliant penalties at the end of the game. They were so calm and collected and put them away very easily. I, I, I thought they were really good. And some players that I didn't know before um, who I thought had really good games and the likes of Xhaka, who has uh, constantly been uh, someone criticised in England, uh, had, a, had a fantastic game. Just to go back to the Pogba thing, I think, I mean, it's well, uh, sort of well-rehearsed argument that you can only ever play in a midfield with where there's three people rather than relying on just a single 
single partner and you know in, in a way you think well why didn't the French team play to his strengths and and have three in there if if uh, if if that's such a renowned uh, feature of his game but I just thought it was very interesting his celebration after the third goal and he just thought you know you just could sense that he thought it was all over and and that's the French team seemed to uh, think it was one and then promptly went on and on and collapsed. It was quite interesting watching after the game and the way that the pundits reacted to it, where uh, I think I think the game was on ITV, if I remember rightly, and and uh, Roy Keane and Gary Neville had a you know a reasonably serious conversation, whereas as kind of people with United affiliations, they weren't shy of criticising and pointing out some of the limitations. I then switched over to BBC, where there was a different set of pundits that included Mika Richards and 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 Alex Scott, who were full of praise for him, saying he was the greatest thing because he'd scored the goal. With and you know he 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 seems to be. Um, widely praised uh, for that aspect of his game, and, I, and he gets you know he gets away with it too often. I, I personally, I don't like him, and I think I would be more critical of him. Yeah, there's a certain amount of club rivalry on this podcast, which is, uh, which is very healthy. Just on pundits, um, I mean, you, you mentioned Roy Keane. He's been fantastic, Roy Keane, hasn't he? Did you hear his tirade against Portugal? He was, he was just so critical. He was just. You know, it, it, he's so uh, absolutely uh, immersed in the game, isn't he? And, and and he was just so angry with Portugal. And you kind of think, well, isn't he a neutral here? Why, why would you be quite so angry? But he, he, he definitely was. And then just after the uh, France-Switzerland game, he was, again, he was just so heart on his sleeve, you know, um, uh, besotted by it. I think he said it's like, this is why it's the greatest game on earth, you know. And, and it's great to hear all that. England played Germany, so people comment on that. And now we're up, uh, England are up against uh, Ukraine at the weekend. Are people generally relaxed about having St. George, you know, people St. George's flags everywhere, people singing songs about everything from Matt Hancock to German bombers? Do people see it as a bit of fun, or is there some some dark side to this uh, 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 nascent patriotism, or is is it even patriotism? Is it just? People having a bit of fun, and, and and what's the problem, sir? And also looking ahead, I know as a Bristol City fan, we've got by the only EFL player left in the tournament, Thomas Callas, playing for the Czech Republic. Public has done very well so far. That's something I look, you know, something you can identify with and look forward to, you know, as well as as well as backing England. Just on the patriotism thing, it's, it is, and probably on the on the crowds thing as well. It's really interesting, isn't it, to see the different um, attitude people take between football and tennis so so starting on, on crowds you know the, at, at Wimbledon the, the roof's closed so therefore it's indoors and yet it's a full crowd there's no social distancing and that's all okay uh, whereas at football you can't have a full crowd uh, and you have to have all the um the the covid protocols and that kind of just feels a bit wrong doesn't it and at the same time, you know, the whole, um, you know, getting behind Andy Murray, which I'm not against, you know, that, that, that's all seen as a, a fantastic thing. And yet there's a bit of a sniffiness still, isn't there, about people uh, back in England and about flying uh, St George's flags and everything. 
Um, I have to say, I, I'm not seeing very many flags, what, one or two uh, that I've seen on, on houses, but it's not the same as when you had, you know, the, the little flags in the back of cars and everything. You don't see any of that, really. Or maybe it's just because we're not out and, and, and about as much. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not seeing a huge amount of it, but, but I think it is absolutely, it's a bit of a mixture, I think, between it's good fun, it's people you know, letting off a bit of steam. Uh, and it is people actually being blooming proud of, of, of the team. And, you know, some of the, the backstories of the, the England team members are, are, you know, they're not they're not guys born with a silver spoon in their mouths. So I think it's right that we're proud of them and they were proud of their achievements. Uh, so I don't I don't approve of all the sniffiness about St George's flags. Uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's something particular about um, the national team as well, because... You know, I've been to three World Cups as a fan and there's a whole bunch of people who, who are England fans who can go to these things and really engage with them in the way that they can't when they're supporting their club teams. If you support Huddersfield or Millwall or whatever, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to be playing in the Champions League final or in the Premier League, well, apart from Huddersfield a couple of years ago. But still, I mean... The, 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 the big time isn't something you get most of the time. So... You get fans from, particularly from smaller clubs, who are really into it. The, the whole shooting match, the flags, the travelling when they can, which is a bit of a shame for this particular tournament that that's been so hard. But you know, the, there is uh, it, it just it's an extra dimension to it uh, for for the, the whole country can get behind, and it's not the usual suspects really. I mean, that, and that that's reflected in the team performances as well. That you know, it's Switzerland and Ukraine and teams like that and Denmark who've been uh, shown an incredible character get, getting through. So there are players who aren't going to do, necessarily do it week in week out for their clubs, um, who you can get behind as a fan because they're going to do it for their country and they're going to raise their game or they're going to play as a unit in a way that maybe they don't get the chance to at club level. So the whole thing is just, it's a, it's a whole different vibe and um, it's just produced some great football. So I have no problem with, with the, the patriotism and the nationalism and people get going out and having a few drinks and getting into a crowd because we've really missed it. We've really, really missed it. That is the number one thing perhaps of, over the whole week, just watching exciting football matches, but with a crowd that's really noisy and really getting behind the teams. I think I don't want to get into the habit of psychologizing the minds of people who think they run society too much, but you feel like there was this like attempt. They thought they could use the England team to some degree as like push a particular image of a sort of progressive, especially like a racially progressive and racially diverse club and with all the taking the knee and the Black Lives Matter stuff and all the rest of it. And then realize that you bring people together for football matches and they're here to support football and enjoy themselves and have a good time. You can't just kind of, shepherd them into using it as a kind of political exercise and so that's why people were asking the question like why are England celebrating like they won the World Cup when they beat Germany and it wasn't just the old rivalry and beating Germany as a sort of landmark thing it was because you beat you had a good game in which you beat a decent side but in a huge stadium with loads of people in and it was very noisy and it was this moment as if where people suddenly realized that um, some of the like not even just the legal restrictions that have blighted our times for a long, for a little while, but the fear of other people that everybody's had, the moving away from people in the streets and all the rest of it. And suddenly people are diving into crowds for the people and pints spilling everywhere and people hugging strangers and all that stuff that would have been considered so normal that like has this extra like beautiful feeling to it because we've, as Rob says, we've been missing it for so long. And that, that was that sort of joyousness, which shows you can't just 
like when you bring people together and there's some great entertainment and a great cause to get behind and all the rest of it then interesting and exciting things will happen and you can't predetermine that yeah i think i agree with jacob on that i think it's interesting in advance of the tournament as jacob says there was a certain section of society whether it's commentators or politicians or people who run the football industry, which to some extent had actually even fed into the England squad football players who kind of wanted to use it as a mechanism to push the right way of thinking, to take the knee or to wear pride-coloured armbands or all the rest of it or whatever it was. But I think as the tournament's gone on, it's just become clear that that um, you know people have uh, largely put that to one side and just got on with enjoying a, a tournament where you're allowed back back into the public sphere to be in pubs to you know run riot around Trafalgar Square drinking or or wherever else it is in various different fan zones up and down the country and it's just been a tremendously positive thing and the thing I that really struck me um, when I was in the pub the other night watching the the England Germany game was at the start of the match where they took the knee, there was a few boos, but largely there was a, a fair number of cheers for it. Um, and then as, as the match went on and singing of 10 German bombers started or whatever, it was largely the same people who'd been uh, cheering, taking the knee and, and were now singing 10 German bombers. So I, I think there's a danger sometimes of reading too much into these things. I mean, yes, there was an attempt to push it in certain sections, but for, for normal people, it's just you know having a laugh and and actually the the, the kind of get, getting behind your team and in whatever uh, way that you think and singing ten German bombers or whatever is just having a laugh and supporting the team and you can't really read too much into that. I haven't got a lot to add to that. I think that's a fairly accurate assessment of what's happened. There's one commentator went to one of the London uh, fan zones and was looking for these songs about the German bombers or whatever, and then found they were all singing about Matt Hancock and got completely disconcerted about what was going on. And it's obviously, it was a, as it happens, a fairly predictable song. So it was, you just think, people just got to realise that it doesn't, people go to football to let off steam and to do things. It doesn't mean that they're going to bomb Germany, or it doesn't mean that they really think something about Matt Hancock or they think whatever it is they're singing. It's just, a song you do during this time, the people just have to, I think, get uh, uh, get over these things. It also shows that most people in Britain, uh, in England, if not everybody, identifies in some way with England as a country. I remember Jonathan Liu, the, who's actually quite a well-respected uh, football writer, wrote just before the tournament started, I feel utterly disconnected from England as a nation, but supporting the football team has brought me happiness. And it was written in the sense of to, to, to Guardian readers who, who likewise supposedly feel utterly disconnected from England as a nation. And as you can see, as, as Jacob has described through the tournament, you know, there's lots of things about England I like and lots of things I don't like and lots of things about the government I like and don't like. But most people do not feel utterly disconnected from England as a nation and strongly have a collective sense of, uh, you know, one identifying with the football players who often have very interesting backstories, but just I, people identify with each other as being part of the same, same geographical space. That's how things work. And uh, uh, that has certainly come to the fore and generally, I think, probably taken over from some of the other, uh, uh, other factors that have, have existed. Anyway, we're moving ahead to the match on Saturday where there will be very limited 
um, England uh, fans there. A number of people in Italy will have tickets, but it'll be a very different situation in Rome. So I don't know if any people got their thoughts on what will happen with England or with Ukraine or with any of the other teams. It's a very interesting tournament. I keep looking at the big clubs and thinking, big teams and thinking, Italy or uh, Spain or uh, possibly England will get through. And then on the other hand, you know, Greece 2004 is always there as a reminder that that doesn't always work out. Greece were going to be beaten. Somebody will find them out in the next round. It happened through the whole tournament and nobody did. So I, I, I actually have no idea what's going to happen. I'm very reluctant to predict. Shall I make, I'll, I'll try and make the case for Ukraine and then people can, I don't think Ukraine are going to win and I think England are going to, win and I'm hoping that they're going to win but I'm trying to make the case for Ukraine as far as I understand it at least in Ukraine I guess it has three parts the team the manager and the the sort of general position of Ukraine and the fans in the country so you look at the team um they've demonstrated they're a little bit a little bit like England, they've played a lot of matches like England were in that first 10 minutes against Germany where they were very very hesitant very looked unsure about what was going on and then they've been able to switch it on occasionally because they've got a great um, midfield and people I mean English people are probably most familiar with Zinchenko um, but and he yeah he, he can create moments of magic um, and they've got a bench that is probably deeper than it looks despite lots of the, the young players not particularly having a sort of starred um, as starred sort of performances or playing at big clubs what we saw in the Sweden game that they've got players they can bring off the bench that will make the difference and obviously the key figure um, hopefully manages to stay fit and all the rest of it but of Yarmolenko who is talismanic for them Every, I've got the, the people I know who watch him in the in English football I don't understand who he is when playing for Ukraine because he's obviously just a completely different player a bit like the Pogba discussion um, and he's he's talismatic and he's great then you get the the manager um, and in fact maybe I was I was initially very critical of the BBC program because they didn't show anything about the players before the Ukraine-Sweden match they just did a whole massive segment about Shevchenko and his career and his going but maybe he I mean he played demonstrated that he changed the formation up for the Sweden game he like clearly understood how Sweden were going to play and he switched some players around that people were quite surprised about and as he's flexed the formation a lot they played in a lot of different formations so he's clearly a tactically astute manager and he'll have a he'll have his own thoughts about how to try and break um England down and we know I haven't conceded and all the rest of it and then of course you've got the the sort of the X factor, as it were, of the fact that this is the furthest Ukraine had got. This will be the biggest football match in Ukraine's footballing history. Um, my sort of relatives in Ukraine are already telling me that the all of the, the local shops are running out of uh, beer and crisps because everybody's stocking up ahead of the match. So there's obviously like a huge thing. And this is a and there was lots made at the beginning of the tournament about how this is a sort of patriotism building exercise. And there was this kind of semi detached attempt to try and make it all about the Ukraine with the Crimea thing on the shirt and all the rest of it. And I think most people in Ukraine have ignored all of that kind of Euro nation building stuff and just taken this what it is, which is a very proud country, very big country that has finally got an opportunity on the world stage and they're determined not to let the, let the country down. And I think that those are the ingredients for a, a team will be well up for it against England. Well, yeah, there is um, the flip side of that is the danger of, of English complacency. We've got past Germany We've got a relatively speaking um, easy looking route to the final. And the, the, there is that danger that they just take their, their foot off the pedal a bit. But I mean, I thought it was an interesting article in The Telegraph, which made the point that Southgate is probably the most adventurous England manager since Terry Venables, uh, because he's been not, not been afraid to leave out people that, you know, 
the, the crowd are, are baying for like Jack Grealish. I mean, somebody made the point in commentary in the Germany game that the German fans are all going, how can you leave Jaden Sancho out? He's like one of the best players in the Bundesliga and the United are about to drop 77 million for a very young man uh, on him because they obviously think he's a real talent and he's barely featured in this tournament. So he's, Southgate has been a man of his own mind and has, has decided to build a team, even if not necessarily with the most uh, high profile players that are at his disposal. So hopefully he's not going to, to allow any complacency whatsoever. But that is always always a danger. I think for England, the, the, obviously the focus is always on the the uh, guys up front, isn't it? So everybody wants to talk about Kane and and uh, Sterling and and Grealish. But I, I think you know the Maguire will be really important. The defence will be really important. Uh, Pickford will be really important. Made some great saves um, against Germany. Um, and I think you know if, if you want to look, if you're looking for little talisman uh, around this, the last time uh, England didn't let any goals in in their first four matches was 1966. So I'm uh, clinging on to that uh, as something to uh, uh, reinforce in my mind the fact that it's coming home. <laughs> Alistair, do you think it's coming home? Well, obviously it's perturbing to hear from Jacob that crisps and beer are selling out in in, in Ukraine. I mean, have they not got an English-style public health uh, bodies to tell them of the dangers of this stuff? I mean, really, they should be they should be warned. Um, I can't quite, uh, and I'm going to sound like a grumpy Scotsman now, but I can't quite get behind this <laughs> Southgate as tactical uh, mass. I mean, I thought that, I mean, England got through the Germany game and they did well to do that. And, you know, in, in some ways you can argue, well, in all ways you can argue that uh, he was right to pick the team and, and uh, they, 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 they managed to get through. I didn't think it was a particularly great performance. People have already mentioned uh, that Muller missed a, a really good chance, which I think would have potentially changed the game. Germany probably had the better chances right the way through, through that game. So I, I didn't think they played particularly well, to be honest albeit they got through in the end. Um, against Ukraine on, on Saturday, um, I think obviously they start favourites, but for some of the reasons that Jacob's explained, I, I think it will be interesting from that respect that Ukraine will be up for it. And England um, often go to pieces in, 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 in such situations. So I think it will be interesting. It's in uh, played in Rome. I, I, th I thought it was interesting the other night, the Ukraine-Sweden game played at Hamden in, in Glasgow. And in many ways, what well, probably the poorest stadium of the tournament and not a very big crowd. So it was, I thought it was quite difficult for the teams to draw any energy uh, from, from, from the ground in the, in the way that many other games have had before. So it'd be interesting to see the way that uh, playing in Rome affects that game and I, I I would probably back Ukraine to deal with that better than England actually so it'd be interesting yeah we'll see I, I mean I remember it's not that long ago that England would in a derogatory fashion referred to as perennial quarter-finalists um, mm. because they always got to the quarter-final and lost now they've reached the quarter-final and everybody's overexcited that they've reached the quarter-final and it's true they played well but i I'll, I'll, let's just wait and see what see what happens. If they do get through to the semi-final, that is something more, and that's only happened a few times during my lifetime. So uh, that would be great. And obviously, I don't think I've, no, I've never seen them get through to the final. So that would be amazing if they do. And so I obviously very much hope that that happens. But uh, you know, they, they, they've done what is expected so far. I, th I certainly think that the 
uh, judgment on Southgate is out. He's probably done better so far than I had expected, but I'm certainly not. Um, I'm certainly not overwhelmed, but we live in hope and we very much hope that despite the different conditions and everything's happening on Saturday, that uh, that that, um, that that they can su- succeed. Alistair? Well, it'd be remiss of us not to look at the other three matches as well, because they're really good matches over over the weekend, I think. I mean, Italy-Belgium, I think, is is potentially a really good match. Belgium, unfortunately, got a couple of injuries the other night when Portugal went out to <laughs> take them apart a little bit, quite literally. Um, so who knows if if uh, the lights of Hazard and De Bruyne will make it. Um, I hope they do, because they're, they're both fantastic players and it'll improve the spectacle. But Italy, I think, have been very good so far. And they have an energy about them and, and they're speedy enough up front that they might cause an ageing Belgium defence uh, some, some problems. But I, I think that's uh, potentially a very good game. I mean, if you would pick two teams at the start of the tournament and say that, that would be a very good final, Italy-Belgium would be a very, very suitable sort of a contest. And, uh, but unfortunately, it's happening in the quarterfinals. But, but yes, that, and I would, wouldn't want to call that because I think they're both really, really good teams. Also, to, to reflect on the fact that Spain, after a very slow start, are starting to score goals and getting their act together and did come through a very difficult game the other night against Croatia and will have been lifted by the experience of, uh, of coming back in adversity uh, in the way that they did. So whereas I was like a bit sniffy about them earlier on, I think they could grow into the tournament. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens with them. And I just want to make a little plea to all to the government, I guess, or to the landlords generally, is that let us just turn up in a pub and watch a game on Saturday. And the whole palaver of finding somewhere that might accept a booking late or everyone's booked out or people make 17 different bookings in different pubs in the hope of getting there. That's really hampering the spirit of people. This is increasingly a private affair that people, I know those people who've watched the last couple of England games had to watch them in their house like almost alone because they couldn't find a pub that was accepting bookings or all the rest of it. My little thing looking forward, I, the people have explained the other quarterfinals well, but let us just go to pubs and watch them and not have to worry about planning everything weeks in advance. I, I know that Jacob's in the pole position in our office sweepstake and I'm completely out of it. Uh, Hillary, how's it going with you? With you, you, with you? Um, well, you won't be surprised, I think, to learn that we don't have a sweepstake. We have a very um, complicated actuarial uh, competition going on uh, where you have to um, predict the scores in all the games and you get um, the, the variance between your prediction and the outcome is, is analysed and uh, put together uh, in a, a very complicated spreadsheet to, to produce uh, a table. And there's over 100 people in it. And, and I think that I'm, the thing I'm most proud of is that for you guys, if you're out of it, that's just your bad luck. You know, the fact that I'm third from bottom uh, in our sweepstake, I think I can be very proud of the fact that that's due to my skill and judgment. Uh, as they used to say in the spot the ball competitions, uh, not just look. I see. I see you're in the very much the same boat then as Mark Lawrence, who's bottom of the BBC table, which is not dissimilar. So yes, you, you and Lauro, well done. Okay, and on that footnote, uh, we'll leave it for this week. We've got plenty of exciting football to come up Friday and Saturday, and then the semi-finals next week. So, uh, and we'll be back again next week to uh, to chew the cud over that. So. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us and we'll see you all again soon. And it's coming home.